Section 38 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robert Sherman, Jr., Washington, D.C. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 8, Spheres of Action, Chapter 1, Jews, Part 10. With the opening of the 18th century, it looked as though the victory over Judaism had been virtually won. The War of Secession must of course have interfered with the operations of the Inquisition, but this does not suffice to explain the marked falling off in the numbers of Judaizers in the autos, so far as manifested by the records before me. In Catalonia, which held out long after the rest of Spain was pacified, the Inquisition was fairly re-established in 1715, after which, for three years, the Barcelona Tribunal, out of a total of 25 cases, had but three of Jews, a mother and two daughters who had fled from Seville and had been traced to Catalonia. In Cordova, the records are imperfect, but, as far as they go, from 1700 to 1720, they show but five cases. In Toledo, during the same 21 years, out of a total of 88 trials, only 23 were for Judaism. The fires of persecution, however, were only slumbering and broke out again suddenly with renewed fierceness. Possibly this may be attributable to the discovery in Madrid of an organized synagogue, composed of 20 families who, since 1707, had been accustomed to meet for their devotions and, in 1714, had elected a rabbi, whose name they sent to Leghorn for confirmation. Comparative immunity had brought recklessness and we are told that they observed the Christian fast days with dancing and guitar playing. Five of them were relaxed in the auto of April 7, 1720. It was probably this discovery that aroused the other tribunals to renewed activity, which was abundantly rewarded, for there seems at this time to have been little concealment by Judaizers. In the Toledo Alto of March 19, 1721, Sebastian Antonio de Paz, administrador del tobacco, is asserted to have married the daughter of his wife, and Francisco de Mendoza y Rodriguez, his first cousin, according to the Law of Moses. For some years, this revival of persecution raged with a virulence rivaling that of the earlier period. In a collection of 64 autos, held between 1721 and 1727, there were in all 868 cases, of which 820 were for Judaism, nor did the tribunals err on the side of mercy. There were 75 relaxations in person and 74 in effigy, while scourging, the galleys and imprisonment were lavishly imposed. The geographical distribution of the culprits is worthy of note. The kingdoms of the crown of Aragon show few traces of Judaism. Valencia contributed but 20 cases, Barcelona 5, Saragossa 1, and Majorca none, or 26 in all. Among the tribunals of the crown of Castile, Legroño held no auto during these years. Santiago furnished only four cases, while Granada had 229, Seville 167, and Cordova 78. The years 1722 and 1723 were those in which persecution was most active, the number diminishing rapidly afterwards. It still, however, continued at intervals. In Cordova, there were autos in 1728, 1730, and 1731, in which there were in all 26 cases of Judaism. Then there was an interval until 1745, when only two cases occurred. 
In Toledo, after 1726, there was no case of Judaism until 1738, when there were 14. This seems to have exhausted the material for prosecution, for until the Toledan record ends in 1794, there was but a single subsequent case, which occurred in 1756. In Madrid, there were several Jews relaxed in 1732, charged with scourging and burning an image of Christ, in a house of the Calle de la Sanfance. In Valladolid, at an auto, June 13, 1745, there was one Judaizer relaxed and four reconciled, while in Seville, July 4th, although there were four Muslims, there was not a single Jew. At Yerena, in 1752, we hear of the relaxation of six effigies of fugitives and one of a dead woman, which must evidently have been cases of Judaism. These scattering details can make no pretension to completeness, and yet they suffice to show that Judaism at least was substantially rooted out of Spanish soil, after a continuous struggle of three centuries. How complete was this eradication is manifested by a summarized list of all cases of every kind, coming before all the tribunals, from 1780 until the suppression of the Inquisition in 1820, embracing an aggregate of over 5,000. In these forty years, the whole number of prosecutions connected with Judaism was but sixteen, and of these, ten were foreigners who had evaded the laws prohibiting entrance to Jews while, of the six natives, four were prosecuted for suspicions and propositions. The latest case was at Cordova, in 1818, of Manuel Santiago Vivar, for Judaizing Acts, the final scene in the long tragedy which had secured uniformity of faith at the cost of so much blood and suffering. During this later period, the exclusion of foreign Jews was exercising the holy office much more than the detection of native ones. The savage law will be remembered by which, in 1499, Ferdinand and Isabella prohibited the return of the expelled Jews or the entrance of foreigners under pain of death and confiscation. Although this law was retained on the statute book, it probably was not enforced in all its ferocity, but the maintenance of the exclusion was inevitable when such unremitting pains were taken to exterminate Judaism. When the visita de navios, or examination of all ships arriving at Spanish ports, were organized, the keeping out of the Jews was held in view as much as that of Lutheran heretics and books. If a Jew were found on board, he was to be examined. If he admitted baptism, he was to be seized and his goods were to be confiscated. If unbaptized and he made no attempt to land, he was to be allowed to depart with the ship. Still, the indefatigable mercantile energy of the Jews and the venality of officials, to a limited extent, neutralized these precautions. In 1656, the trial at Murcia of Enrique Pereira, whose domicile was in Luca and who was arrested while trading at Beas, shows that there was intercourse between the Portuguese in Spain and their brethren in Italy. Those of Spain would go by sea to Nice or elsewhere to enjoy freedom of worship, while Italian Jews came to Spain to trade in spite of inquisitorial vigilance. These furtive attempts, with their perils, were but tantalizing to those who looked with longing on the tempting Spanish market. Licenses to come were much more desirable, and we have seen that, in 1634, under Olivares, they were sometimes issued. More unlucky in 1679 was Samuel de Jacob, who was thrown in prison, although he held a license, and we are told that, although those who held licenses could not be prosecuted as heretics, still, if they blasphemed or derided the faith, they could be chastised with fines, scourging, or the galleys, according to the resultant scandal, while attempts to proselyte incurred capital punishment. 
In 1689, special orders were issued to disregard an agreement which Don Pedro Ronquillo, under powers from the king, had made with an English Jew enabling him to land at any port in Spain. Such care was exercised to avert any danger of polluting the Spanish soil by a Jewish foot that when, in 1713, by the Treaty of Utrecht, Gibraltar was ceded to England, it was under the condition that no Jews or Moors should be permitted to reside there. The inobservance of this by England was a subject of complaint, but it is not likely that many intruders risked the dangers that attended an attempt of a foreign Jew to enter Spain. In January 1697, Abraham Rodriguez, traveling from France to Portugal under the name of Antonio Mazado, was arrested at Ledesma and brought to the tribunal of Valladolid. Two years and a half later, his trial was still in progress, but, though we do not know the result, the experience was not such as to invite imitation. When, in the general relaxation of the 18th century, the sternness of these laws was tacitly abandoned, embarrassing precautions rendered sojourn uninviting. In 1756, Abraham Seleucix, a Jew of Jerusalem, ventured to Valencia with a lion for sale. The shipmaster reported him, and a familiar was deputed to accompany him day and night, on board and on shore, never to let him out of his sight or to communicate with anyone. The Count of Almenara bought the lion, and Salasux was permitted to be in the Count's house for a few days, until a cage was constructed for the beast, after which he re-embarked. The same course was followed in 1759, with a Jew who came with merchandise from Gibraltar. A familiar never left him till his goods were sold and he departed, while his books and papers were carefully scrutinized to see that they contained nothing prejudicial. There were others who came in 1761 and 1762 who were treated in the same fashion. Then, in 1795, a royal order was issued through the Suprema, to the effect that a Jewish subject of the Bay of Morocco would come to Valencia and remain for eight or ten days, who was not to be troubled in any way. The tribunal consequently took no notice of his coming and going. These were all the cases that searched through the records of Valencia could find, from 1645 to 1800, and their paucity shows how rarely Jews braved the dangers of visiting Spain. Those who tried to do so in secret took the chances of detection. In 1781, Jacobo Pereira landed at Cadiz under a false name and concealing his faith, but he was found out, arrested, and the Seville Tribunal at once commenced his prosecution. It is true that a royal order of April 25, 1786, permitted the entrance of Jews who bore license from the king, but these were sparingly granted and only on special occasions. The question of greater liberality came up in 1797 when the finance minister, Don Pedro de Valera, as a means of reviving the commerce and industry of Spain, proposed that Jews might be allowed to establish factories in Cadiz and other ports, but the Council of Ministers rejected the project as contrary to the laws. Apparently, the discussion continued and, in 1800, the Suprema called on all the tribunals for reports as to their treatment of Jews seeking admission, and the result appears in a royal cedula of June 8, 1802, declaring in full force all laws and pragmaticas therefore issued, and ordering the rigorous execution of the penalties therein provided, while any default in lending to the Inquisition due assistance for this holy purpose was threatened with the royal indignation. The confusion of the Napoleonic Wars afforded opportunities for enterprising Jews, which were not likely to be overlooked, and Fernando VII deemed it necessary, August 16, 1816, to issue a decree renewing and confirming the Cedula of 1802. It was easier to publish the decree than to enforce it. 
The Tribunal of Seville, June 12, 1819, represented to the Suprema its perplexities arising from the influx of Jews at Algeciras, Cadiz, and Seville, who came to the tribunal begging for baptism. They were indigent beggars and probably fugitive criminals, but, as occasionally there might be one whose object was really salvation, to deprive him of this would be a heavy burden on the conscience, and consequently the tribunal asked for instructions. This resulted in an order of the Inquisitor-General, July 10th, to all the tribunals, insisting on the strict enforcement of the decrees of 1786 and 1802. Such Jews, as obtained a royal license, were to be vigilantly watched and, if the secular officials manifested lack of zeal and cooperation, the Inquisitor-General was to be notified. At the same time, orders were sent to the commissioners at all the ports to observe strictly the old instructions as to the visitas de navios and to report as to the current practice. Barcelona replied that the visits were made only when there were Jews on board. Alessante reported that the disuse of the visits had led to a rapid immigration of Jews into Murcia. Cartagena said that no visits were made but that, if suspicious persons arrived, the custom house officers notified the commissioner. Cadiz and Algeciras answered that the health officer notified the commissioner of the arrival of Jews, renegades, and other forbidden persons, when he took the necessary steps to revert the evil. Motril said that visits were made only when there was a Jew on board. Santiago merely responded that it had the royal decrees of 1786 and 1802 and the recent instructions of the Suprema. Evidently, there was little attention paid to the enforcement of the laws by both the royal and inquisitorial officials, but the government was determined to enforce the exclusion of Jews, and an order was promptly sent to all the royal officials that no Jew was to be allowed to set foot on Spanish territory unless he bore a royal license. If he had one, he was to present himself to the Inquisition or its commissioner, so that a record could be made of him, and the tribunal was instructed to keep him under strict supervision. The Ministry of Gracia y Justicia communicated this, August 31, 1819, to the Suprema, which in turn forwarded it, September 6th, to all the tribunals, with orders for its strict observance. The Inquisition came to an end a few months after this, but the prejudices which it had done so much to foster postponed the removal from the statute book of the laws representing the fierce intolerance of the earlier time. In 1848, we are told that, although unrepealed, they were not enforced and that Jews could travel and trade in Spain without molestation, but when, in 1854, constitutional Cortes were assembled to frame a new constitution, and the German Jews sent Dr. Ludwig Philipson, rabbi of Magdeburg, on a mission to procure free admission of their race, his eloquence was unavailing. It was not until fifteen years later, when the revolution, which drove Isabella II from the throne, called for a new organic law, that the Constitution of 1869 proclaimed freedom of belief and guaranteed it to all residents in Spain, and this was likewise applicable to natives professing other religions than the Catholic. This principle was preserved in the Constitution of 1876, which forbade all interference with religious belief, while not allowing public ceremonies other than those of Catholicism. It was a remarkable proof of conversion from ancient error when, in 1883, the Jewish refugees from Russia, sent by the organizing committees of Germany, were enthusiastically received, although the experiment ended in disastrous failure. The ancestral antipathy which they had to encounter was, however, still active, as expressed by a pious Franciscan, who declared that bringing them was a sin of moral and political treason, and that they would devour the whole Spanish nation. 
End of section 38. Recording by Robert Sherman Jr., Washington, D.C., www.nyckidd.com.